From Vine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Friday Vine Pair Podcast. Zach, it's kind of weird. It's like old times all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. I know the Adam and Zach periods, like, we might call them the dark ages, probably fair to say. But they, they do occur from time to time on the Vine Pair Podcast. I wonder how many of the listeners like even remember it when it was just the two of us. Well, if you go back and look at our listenership numbers, uh, can't be that many of them. Yeah, no. <laughs> Definitely not from the early days. Everyone's like, ah, just, the, just these two losers? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, like, what's going on here? But, you know, you're going to be stuck with us for a little while. No news on Joanna yet, but she is officially out while while we wait. Yeah, of course. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, just me and you, man. Just me and you. And are you still in Hawaii? Yes, I guess despite the intro, I am still in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, we are we are wrapping things up here today. It's funny we got like a little bit of everything on this trip. We got uh, got to go to a luau, which got canceled because we got thunder and lightning in the middle of it, which uh, exciting, but not really what we were hoping yeah, for. Yeah, what you hope my, my Kahlua pork got uh, very soggy very quick, Aww. and uh, and then we had an earthquake yesterday. That was fun. Whoa. Um, not a big one, thankfully, but just a little shake right after the kids went to bed. My son was very sad that he missed it and uh, saw some lava at the volcano uh, where it was supposed to be. No, no real uh, drama there. Kilauea is just kind of always yeah. erupting very, very uh, gently. Drank some pina coladas, went to the beach, got a sunburn, you know, Lovely. usual stuff. Lovely. Yeah, it's been good. Hawaii, Hawaii, great place. Also, definitely ready to head home. So, yeah. you know, that's that, that's a good place to be at the, at la, on that's the last you always day of be. your trip. That's where you always yeah. want to be, you know? Um, so, did you have a chance to watch the Super Bowl? So, I watched a little bit of the Super Bowl. We were literally in transit. So, this is one of those things that happens sometimes when you travel, at least for me. Yeah. Which is, even though kind of in some sense, I'm aware that going to Hawaii, we're an additional two hours behind Seattle. I didn't really internalize it. And like the Super Bowl for me in Seattle was always like a middle of the afternoon thing. It's like, okay, the game comes on at like three 30. That's just the deal. And so we were in the, uh, on Sunday, we're transiting from where we're staying on the East side of the Island over to the West side of the Island, the theoretically sunny side where our luau was not supposed to get canceled by thunder mm-hmm. and lightning. Um, and instead, we were basically spent the first half of the football game driving across the island, which was whatever, fine. I have a certain amount of interest in the game, but not it wasn't the end of it, uh, the world to me. And we got to the hotel and checked in and went down to the beach. And I was like, what is that noise in the background? I was like, oh, yeah, there's a Super Bowl going on. OK, cool. So while uh, Saul and Lila and to some extent, Caitlin played in the sand, I had half an eye on them and half an eye on a TV that was conveniently located uh right next to the beach so yeah watch the end of it you know exciting football game always fun when they come down to the wire even if maybe this the absolute end was a little anticlimactic but i don't think we're here to recap the football game anyone who cares about what happened in the game probably wouldn't turn to us for insight and also probably has long since digested every bit of content that they wanted to though we are we are here to dissect a portion of the super bowl and that is that of course uh so you know we've been speaking for a very long time now about where engage audiences still exist on a mass scale for uh you know exposing these audiences to alcohol brands whether that be wine beer or spirits and so you know for those of you who are our regular listeners you know sort of what we said is like the the best seems like the best strategy now for getting your uh product 
to in the hands of brand evangelists is through niche audiences, whether they're, you know, audiences that are solely focused on drinks, like readers of Vine Pair, or audiences that are focused on sort of like more lifestyle products, um, you know, whether they're they're readers of fashion magazines, et cetera, uh, high end luxury, you know, consumers through publications like the Rob Report, whatever, like it seems like niche is sort of the way to go, that mass really is not as successful in reaching people who become massively engaged as it used to be, right? We just, we don't really have that must-see TV Thursday night viewing anymore. We don't have people waking up every morning and watching programs like the Today Show and Good Morning America. All those audiences are trying to dwindle, but the one place where the audience still really exists is football. And the Super Bowl is by far the most watched program in America every single year. There was a stat I read that like more people celebrate the Super Bowl than Thanksgiving in America, which is kind of amazing. There's a push recently to try to make the Monday after the Super Bowl a national holiday. Uh, riding the subway on Monday morning, I can tell you there were many people who looked like they did not want to be going into work that morning, uh, probably still a little intoxicated. It is a big drinking holiday. It's kind of for a lot of people now, the end of dry January. So all of that culminates in this massive cultural moment where this year for the first time, lots of different brands partook in advertising during the big game. So, you know, for the longest time, ABI has had really a monopoly over uh, Super Bowl advertisements and they relinquished that monopoly uh, last year agreed to sort of let other people come in. They didn't want to pay, basically they didn't want to pay what it costs to full out own all of the ads around the Super Bowl. And so they allowed brands like Remy Martin, Crown Royal, uh, you know, et cetera. They still were very well um, placed. Like Bush, Bud Light was there. Uh, but then Sam Adams was also around Heineken Double Zero uh, to advertise. And I think there was a lot of people that were very excited about this, that this meant that we were going to see more creativity than we've ever seen in these ads, right? A lot of the traditional ads you've seen in the past, right, Zach, like for, for ABI or, or what you expect, right? There's the Clydesdales for Budweiser, like the, the pulling at the heartstring stuff with usually like a lost dog that finds its way home. You know, there's always sort of like the, the, the Bud Light ads, sometimes with their weird robots, sometimes with the, you know, with some of their other mascots. Um, but this year was the first time other brands were getting involved. So people were really excited. And I, I have to say the general consensus across the board when it comes from critics, uh, advertising industry people, as well as our own staff here, Vampire was the majority of the ads were really underwhelming. Yeah. It felt like there was a really big missed opportunity. Only one alcohol ad made it into the top 10 USA Today ad ranker, right? Where they looked at like critic scores, engagement, et cetera, only one. And I think it made it in at 10. And I kind of feel like, you know, there was just this massive missed opportunity here where we've been talking for the last few weeks about all the things happening in alcohol and these huge brands had an opportunity to reach these audiences and they just kind of whiffed on it, right? There was like... They, you know, they fumbled the ball, however you want to say it. Just, there wasn't anything good. I mean, the one thing I want to talk about at the very top was I was just pretty shocked there wasn't a single wine ad. For as yeah. much as we're talking about how the wine industry is in dire straits right now, the fact that there wasn't a single wine ad 
was very surprising to me. This is the most engaged audience you're going to find at a mass scale, and no one took that opportunity. Now, obviously, Gallo is the official sponsor of the NFL, but as we saw from Remy Martin, clearly that doesn't mean that you are not allowed to advertise if you're not that sponsor. Remy Martin Cognac, you know, ran an ad, uh, an ad I would say is was fine, right? Serena Williams, but like Diageo is the official sponsor of the NFL on the spirit side, and that didn't stop Remy Martin. So like there, it could have been another wine company instead of Gallo, but I was I was really surprised at that. I mean, what was your overall take from reading all these recaps since the game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think to the to the point about sort of the overall lack of maybe lack of quality or just lack of kind of a captivating ad. I think there's two explanations. One is just the undeniable reality that we now live in a world where these ads themselves are like a subject of much conversation and and discussion and Mm -hmm. all that before the uh, Super Bowl ever airs. So there's all these, I mean, it's kind of a maddening state of affairs when you step back and think about it. But like part of what made some of the earlier whether they were alcohol ads in particular or even just Super Bowl ads in general so impactful was that they surprised people. They kind of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. You knew that, you know, you knew that Budweiser was going to be advertising or Anheuser-Busch was going to be advertising, but you didn't necessarily know, you know, whether it's the Budweiser frogs or the was up or whatever. All those yeah. things were were not they were not months of speculation about what the ad content was going to be because it was just a different time. Right. And so some of it is and, and especially because so many of these ads as you were noting center around very, very famous people, which I actually think makes as my one of my big takeaways is that uh, putting a very, very well known celebrity or celebrities in your ad is, I think, actually a really good way to ensure that your ad is not that memorable because we already know these people. And if you think yeah. about most of the big breakout ads in Super Bowl history, they don't feature incredibly famous people, they feature you know, either sort of quote unquote normal people or animals or they're animated or or in some other way presented in an unusual format. And the so famous celebrity pitching a thing is just not going to get much penetration because we now live our lives so exposed to these mm-hmm. celebrities all the time. They're pitching us stuff through social media all the time it's in a lot of cases that whether it's Serena Williams or Dave Grohl or whomever, I just don't think it has that much impact to people. They go like, oh, okay, there's a person I recognize, but like the Super Bowl is full of people they recognize, so it's not really that distinctive. I think the last takeaway I would say I'm on the on the wine topic is it makes me wonder – We've obviously talked a lot about wine, and one of the big through lines of our conversation lately is wine just doesn't spend a lot of money on advertising. So maybe it's as simple as saying none of these companies wanted to pony up what it takes to get at the Super Bowl because it's obviously the most expensive ad real estate there is. But on the flip side to that, I think there's also perhaps still a misunderstanding of who your potential audience for the Super Bowl is. Because as you said, if it's the biggest event in America, bigger than Thanksgiving, which obviously also doesn't have the same kind of one television spectacle attached with it. Yes, there's the parade. Yes, there are football mm-hmm. games, but none of those draw anywhere near the eyeballs that the Super Bowl itself does. And of course, you know that if there's going to be one event all year, that people are generally not going to like fast forward through commercials, step away. You know, like people, a lot of people are there to watch the commercials. Yeah. And so much of your potential viewing audience are people who drink wine. It's not, you know, you get kind of trapped in the weird like football stereotypes for these events, which is always weird to me. Like, sure, yes. They're a core segment of the Super Bowl viewing audience are football fans, people who 
watch football regularly, but the idea that you have to make your ad relevant to football or centered around football or appeal to what is viewed as a traditional football demographic, which itself is, I think, an outdated concept because football fans are not just like, you know, middle-aged white men. Right. Uh, they're people of all ages, genders, races, etc. And you're you should feel I think encouraged to advertise almost any product. And I think you're right. A wine ad might have really stood out in the field of a bunch of other ads, including a bunch of alcohol ads that are largely centered around beer and now a little bit spirits. So yeah, I don't know. I, I was just, I, I think underwhelmed is a good way to put it. And I think it's weirdly, it felt weirdly stagnant, despite, as you said, this should have been the year where things felt loosened up a little bit because there was less of a monopoly on alcohol yeah. advertising than ever before. I think like your celebrity point is a really great one. You know, I, I feel like the one thing that we spoke about a lot in the office was not only did all uh, did the majority of celebrity ads feel exactly what you're saying, kind of forced and clearly the fact that th- these people were just paid to be in the ad and you knew they really had no connection whatsoever to uh, the, the liquid they were pushing. But also in one case, two different brands used the same celebrity. And, you know, you have to think, man, did did someone not talk to each other's, to to that person's agent? And and this is not about Serena Williams. You know, she was, you know, she was in a beer ad and a spirits ad. And I get it. I guess it's beer and spirits. But if you're looking to stand out, as you're saying, you know, this is, you almost blend together even more because now you're using the exact same spokesperson. And I think it's worth remembering that the reason this happens so much is because for a lot of these brands, this is the biggest budget they ever get to play with. You know, maybe they also get to sponsor Coachella or things like that where they get to work with some of these people, but this is the biggest budget and we're all humans, right? It's very fun to get to work with someone like Serena Williams. To be on set as the brand manager and interacting with Serena Williams is really fucking cool. And that's why this happens so much, but it's not the best idea all the time. And I think you hit the nail on the head here in the, in this situation, we're so used to being sold so many things by these brands that the connection to that celebrity and the brand doesn't ever feel that authentic. Where it works yeah. is where the celebrity obviously is very you know connected to the brand. So when aviation, gin, for example, used to run like it's online only ads you know around the Super Bowl to get attention – Obviously, Ryan Reynolds makes sense. He's a part owner in the brand. So everyone understood why he was speaking about it. He was always doing it in a very funny way, talking about the low budgets, blah, blah, blah. People loved it. That's why they remembered it. You know, using Dave Grohl doesn't make as much sense. You know, the, the, the one that I felt was like one of the oddest ones across the board was the Heineken Double Zero with Ant Man. I mean, first of all, I, it's not even one of the most popular Marvel movies by far. Right. I mean, yes, Paul Rudd is a national treasure, but Ant-Man is not this massive, massive hit for Marvel. It's it's very successful, but it's not one of the huge, huge ones that we that we always talk about. I mean, and then it was also for Double Zero, which, OK, it's nice that they decided to, to push that. It's it's actually a growing product for them, but it just didn't make a lot of sense. And I would say that for me, the one that was that was the most interesting in terms of creativity was the Sam Adams one where at least we were like imagining what a lighter, nicer Boston (laughs) would be like and sort of acknowledging that that Boston has this reputation for being really 
rough and gruff and, you know, loud. And then they connected to the fact that they were, you know, reimagined, they had reimagined the liquid of Sam Adams lager as this light, bright spin. Now, the argument that people in the office have made is like, why did they choose to use their marketing dollars for Sam Adams, you know, Boston lager when like, it's not a skew that's been growing when they should have probably used it to continue to pimp truly. But, you know, at least it was, it felt creative. Well, and I think, as you said, like that ad has a little, a couple of minor celebrity cameos, um, like I think Kevin Garnett's in it, et cetera. Yeah. But it's like, you know, there's just like little bits in there. They're not the centerpiece. The, the point of the commercial isn't exactly like, look at this famous person we paid to be in this ad. And it does feel connected to obviously very connected to the product. Um, you know, you can't get more connected to Sam Adams, Boston Lager than a, you know, an ad about Boston. But I do think that, so I think that that's, you know, maybe it's easier for Sam Adams in some way to take a little bit more of a risk yep. in that direction. I think that to the point you were making about people liking to work with celebrities and being exciting, I also think it is a, it's a matter of safety, right? Like no one is going to get fired for spending their ad budget on a celebrity, right? If you take your big Super Bowl buy budget and you spend most of that money, not just on the advertising spot, but the money you've been given to produce it and you, you get a very famous person to be in it and you do a, pretty straightforward thing, putting them there next to your product, your ad agency gets hired again. You don't right. get let go because you blew, you know, th- you know, whatever, $15 million on some concept ad that no one, that everyone pans the next day. And I think that, you know, as the stakes have gotten higher, as not only the cost of the ads has gotten higher, but frankly, the amount of attention paid to them, not just by a couple of media outlets, but now it's, you know, on social media, the instant after the ad airs, there are people talking about it. You have to kind of catch people right away. You have to get that buzz. And I think it just creates a lot of, you know, sort of why take risks? You know, no one is incentivized to do that except for the people who want to cut against the grade. So I think there will always be some of that. And whether mm-hmm. that happens, as you were discussing with aviation, sort of around but not directly connected to the Super Bowl, or whether yeah. it's instead a couple of ads during the Super Bowl that are, um, you know, do feel a little bit more sort of like they're taking a chance. I just think it's, you know, the, you know, it's, it's a, the, the size of the audience, the cost of everything involved incentivizes a certain amount of risk averse behavior which is unfortunate because in the end it makes the commercials which you know i think at one point were genuinely you know was genuinely a kind of a moment for ad agencies to take chances and to put interesting creative things on the air has now turned it into kind of frankly a pretty boring part of you know it used to be exciting for the you know people used to say oh you know the game is better than the or the commercials are better than the game and i think you know the super bowls themselves have gotten more competitive of late which is cool the game itself has gotten i think more enjoyable to watch yeah but also i think the ads have kind of lost that luster because they've become more homogenized or at least just safer in in all ways Yep, I think you're totally right. Well, let us know what you think about uh, what you thought about the Super Bowl and the commercials. Uh, hit us up at podcast.vinepair.com. Let us know who, if you watched, um, what commercial you liked the best, what which one you liked the least. And if you were surprised we were as we were to not see a wine commercial and felt like yet another missed opportunity here. Hopefully wine gets its act together and we will uh, chat with everyone on Monday. It's going to be me and you again, Zach. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, 
anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington in Zach Jabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire Vine Pair staff and everyone who's been involved in making Vine Pair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.